should the Michigan-Ohio State game be moved to save it? Next on Michigan Podcast. There's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Tim Clark. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schindler. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. win the championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. In the fallout from last week's announcement from the Big Ten that it will be playing a conference-only schedule this fall continues to occur. And while we await to see what that schedule grid, will it be nine games, will it be ten, while we await to see what that will look like, the league says it will unveil later this month what the actual schedule for this season will be, a question that has come up that's been asked by Michael Spath over at Wolverine Digest with the Sports Illustrated Maven Network, does this mean we will see the Michigan-Ohio State game moved to earlier in the year? Because there's a lot of scuttlebutt that the Big Ten is going to decide to put division games first, to prioritize rivalry games as well, in order to try to get them in as early as possible in case the season has to be shut down later, in case there needs to be delays because of too many positive tests, etc. And so that begs the question, Should the Michigan and Ohio State game, should it be moved off its traditional perch where it has been known as the game because it is the defining moment for each team's season going back decades now, generations now, almost a century now? Should it be moved from the last game of the season in order to make sure and give it the best chance to be played? My answer to that question would be yes. If only because, to me, the game doesn't have nearly the luster that it used to have after 15 years of taking beatdowns. But 
if you're one of those people that still live and die by this game, well, an Ohio State fan. I, I don't know too many Michigan fans that are living and dying by the the Ohio State game these days. We're just we're just dying inside each day for 15 years now. 15 long, grueling, treacherous, desolate, abusive, painful, never-ending years. Oh, I'm sorry. Is this on? Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, Forget I said all that. If you, though, love the pageantry, the revelry of the rivalry, well, I would think then that you would want to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to make sure that the game gets played this fall, even if that means having it be the opening game of the season. And wouldn't that be something? If we get the Big Ten conference-only schedule grid because of coronavirus here at the end of this month, and the season opener for both teams is Michigan and Ohio State in Columbus. I don't know. Now that I say that out loud, that just sounds odd. Weird. What do you think? We'll find out a little bit later on with our Twitter poll results. But when we come back, we'll get a viewpoint from an Ohio State fan, our new weekly contributor here on Michigan Podcast, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. He'll be joining us here next. Want to thank all of you who have been supporting us on Patreon these last few years here on Michigan Podcast. And for those of you that ask us every now and then, hey, what can we do to help uh, support what you guys are doing and help it to grow? Well, supporting us on Patreon is a big way you can do that. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And as you can see, when you become a $5 a month uh, subscriber and supporter or more, you get uh, as well exclusive content that we publish just for you on our Patreon page, including a lot of the stuff that I do with sports handicapping as legalization goes wider throughout the country. In fact, you can see uh, I put up just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the notes uh, for NFL win totals, looking at the schedule release. So a lot more where that came from. If you want to support us at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. It's time for the 10 minute war, a new segment each week where we take a look at what is happening with Michigan and college sports. But with more of a dualistic sense, a yin and a yang, not just from a Michigan perspective, but also from the enemy perspective. I went, I looked, I searched long and hard, and I found him, fellow Michigan fan. I found the one, perhaps the only reasonable Ohio State fan in all of America. Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, joining us here for the 10-minute war, a little homage to the 10-year war, of course, the heyday of the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry back when both sides had a chance to win. Mark, how are you, brother? Good to have you with us here. Well, it's nice to know that I'm the one, okay, I'm the one reasonable one uh, south of Toledo, I guess. You are. You are the one reasonable Ohio State fan we have been able to find. And we're only half kidding. We're kidding, but only half kidding. 
So each week we're going to take a look at what is trending here on uh, on, on the stage when it comes to Michigan, Ohio State, etc., and get a viewpoint from both sides of the fence. Let's start with the big news, Mark, uh, that the Big Ten dropped last week, going to a conference-only schedule for this fall. I'd been hearing for weeks that the Washington game for Michigan wasn't happening, and that made me wonder would Ohio State then go out in week two to the Pacific Northwest and play at Oregon? Well, now we've got the answers to all those questions. There aren't going to be any non-conference games. So your thoughts on that news, Mark? My thoughts are once we get this revised schedule from the Big Ten, what are their goals going to be? Are they going to be pretty self-evident? And I'm basically coming up with three different paths that they could take or three different objectives. One would be strictly playing the player safety and health card, which would just entail let's keep the schools close for an extra game Michigan plays Michigan State Indiana-Purdue for a second game, and we would play a revised schedule in which that 10th conference game would point to player safety, taking the high road. Okay, or we could go for most attractive matchups. That's my thought process as well. Let's make this, this is going to be a weird, crazy, wild card of a season. We might as well try to recoup as much money from the television standpoint as possible, make as much money, gain as much attention from around the country. Let's double up on the big matchups. Or is there going to be kind of a play, and this is not typically the Big Ten way, but are we thinking college football playoff and what is going to put our best team or teams, or maybe let's go back to team in the best position to compete for a college football playoff and give them the best resume or the best record to do so. One of the things that we had heard on the Michigan side of things a couple of weeks ago is that uh, there was some thought, and I've not heard it dispelled since, but there was some thought that there uh, there were several Big Ten schools that did not want to play this fall, but didn't want to be the first one to say so. And that three of those schools were were Maryland, Rutgers, and Minnesota were three of those schools. What happens if they don't play? What do we what do you do then? And so Michigan was looking at if if two of them are in our own division, um, we had heard that they had contacted Ohio State, Indiana, and Michigan State about playing home and homes this year within the division. Your thoughts on that? Well, my thought is that um, for a second, let's let's imagine Minnesota, Nebraska, or Minnesota Rutgers and Maryland, all three, uh, in participation. Um, you know, I gave you three different approaches that could be taken. At least I'm sure there are several others. Uh, the approach that I would take was, you know, let's let's look at this as a bit of a wild card of a season, and let's look at those home and home matchups where years from now we look back and. See Say, wasn't that crazy? Iowa and Wisconsin played a home and home, and Ohio State and Michigan played a home and home. We already have uh, a situation with 14 teams where the conferences, uh, the division lineups don't work out to match up the teams, but we've got that nice little Indiana Purdue Old Oak and Bucket game mm-hmm. cross division. They could play the home and home. And then we've got Illinois Northwestern, we've got Nebraska Iowa, who up until last season, uh, we're playing the last weekend of the season and seemed to be that designated Big Ten rivalry that they were trying to build. Minnesota, Wisconsin, of course. Then you've got Maryland Rutgers. You've got uh, Michigan State, Penn State. And for some reason, the Big Ten kind of gave up on making that, forcing that as a rivalry. Uh, in They'd the last probably few like years, to make Maryland wasn't. and Penn State a rivalry, wouldn't you think? They'd like to make that one. It's they, an old like East Coast independent you could go, era. Yeah. You could, yeah, you could go either way on that. They were pushing Michigan State, Penn State, and then Maryland Rutgers. And I don't 
think they wanted them, the two of those to be kind of um, spotlighted as the having teams in the conference. Uh, and then, of course, Ohio State-Michigan, and I would go the home-and-home home series. So what I hear you saying is, take a page out of with the, with the NFL draft playbook. When they decided to embrace the abnormalcy by uh, cameras in the homes, giving fans more access to the intimacies, if you can't do the pomp and the circumstance, you know, where fans and celebrities are announcing the picks on day three and you're, you know, the, the walk from the green room, uh, you know, to hug the commissioner, you know, if you can't do the pomp and the circumstance, then embrace the abnormal abnormality here and give fans an, an opportunity to see into the process in ways they never have before and give them a unique outlier experience. I, I kind of see you saying college football, particularly the Big Ten, if it's going to take back total control of its schedule this fall they should embrace the abnormalcy that way and and give people something that they likely have never had before and will never have again so there's something memorable that comes out of this and steve typically i'm the other guy i'm the guy for uniformity i'm the guy Mm -hmm. that says i want to balance the schedule because i want an equal footing and competitive balance so that's what i typically uh, shoot for i've come up with a non-conference and a conference schedule format for all the five power fives that would build that but for this one particular season yeah make make it worth remembering in some way it's it's going to be remembered for all the negatives and has been thus far 2020 let's um try to give it a little bit of a jolt of of uniqueness all right something else we're hearing now is that the big 10 is going to prioritize divisional and rivalry games early in the season anticipating uh in case they can't finish the season or there needs to be delays because such and such school has too many positive tests it's just not fair to make them play a game that shorthanded so uh you leave windows open in november to move games there for later on right so that could very well mean that you see Michigan and Ohio State played opening week, first two weeks of the season. Um, now, you know, we've polled our audience. We'll have the results later in the program. Uh, whether Michigan fans would like to see that game stay right where it's at at the end of November or whether they wouldn't mind moving it. You know, my position is it's lost a lot of luster for me just because it's just not a competitive effort. So, I, I'm fine moving it. Doesn't really, I guess, let's just get the pain over with now. On the other hand, as a Michigan fan, maybe I need to consider we leave the game there at the end in the hopes that it doesn't get played uh, this year. But in all seriousness, Mark, what are your thoughts on it? What What do they think on your side of the street? Are they hearing the same as, talk? As, as soon as you mention Ohio State, Michigan playing in September, I, I get those those chills down my spine. And and, and it's still, uh, as an Ohio State fan from way, way back that for watched uh, my first Ohio State-Michigan game in 1977 um, still actually uh, enacts fear in me, if you can believe that, even after the last 15 years. So, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't believe it, anything, actually. But go ahead. Yeah. It, it, it actually does. Those memories from the 1990s in particular still linger. Uh, so the thought of a September Ohio State-Michigan game just – uh, man, I'm a traditionalist and I want it in November. Maybe we could split the difference in regards to taking on that concept for the rest of the divisional games, get those out of the way in case of the debacle that could ensue if kids uh, contract the virus and their games that have to be rescheduled or canceled altogether. 
front load the division games aside from maybe that week's rivalry games of a Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Northwestern, and Ohio State, Michigan. But if you want to do a home and home, one of them is going to get played in September then, right? Yes, that's fine. We play the home and home and um, Ohio State to a certain extent in regards to the susceptibility of losing, actually losing to Michigan. Uh, and then also, of course, it, it creates uh, where the game would have been played in Columbus this year, where it gives Michigan an extra game going forward if you follow the sequence of games where they're kind of played out of order to a certain extent. Something else I want to throw your way that we're hearing on the Michigan side, and I didn't make much hay about this last week because I, I wonder how much of this is legitimate and then how much of this maybe is just rivalry, insider, wishful thinking, banter, okay? But um, I did hear from a source uh, today that Governor DeWine in Ohio is contemplating uh, locking back down some of the state later this week. Of course, Ohio State suspended workouts last week for too many positive tests. Now, they said it was less than 10, which probably means eight or nine. Okay, And they announced today that they're restarting their their workouts back up again after a week delay. They think they have the situation under control. Last week or a couple weeks ago, we had heard from the Michigan side of things that there was some speculation that despite the rabidity of the fan base, there was some real hesitation within the Ohio State administration with playing football this fall. Uh, and with, with the governor's position as an Ohio State fan was going to be on that. Now, from my side of the street here, and, and I've said this to some people that brought this to my attention, I mean, the closest thing we have to the SEC in our neck of the woods is Ohio State from a fan uh, zealotry standpoint. That, I mean, if, if, if Ohio State doesn't play football this fall, I don't know what Governor DeWine's security detail is, okay? Quadruple it. Right. I mean, I can't even imagine like if if they don't play football at Ohio State this fall and every single hospital in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Medina, Dayton. okay, of every is literally not burning bodies out back. Folks are going to lose their damned minds. But I'm not the Ohio State fan. So maybe I'm just kind of blowing this up out of proportion from the other side. What are your thoughts on that? Well, certainly, I'm impressed with your uh, knowledge of some of the lesser towns there in Ohio. Once you dip down into Medina territory, that's pretty impressive, Steve. <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. Uh, just uh, maybe 45 minutes away from where I grew up. I, I currently live in Connecticut. I don't have much of a beat on what's going on politically or otherwise in Ohio, other than family members that still are there. And I travel back a couple times a year. But yes, when we match the just the thought of not playing football versus Ohio State, because earlier in this process, Ohio State was the football program that first stated we're having football players mm -hmm. sign these waivers because we want to ensure that they know what they're getting into and that they understand the deal. And so we can kind of clear that hurdle because we're one of the first schools to say we're going to be back on campus june 1st and we're going to funnel in the players and we're going to be full strength on campus uh, from a football personnel standpoint very soon they were the first ones that i know of to start to make estimates when uh, the the trend was empty stadiums that they were the first roughly a month ago a little bit longer than that to say we're going to put in twenty to 50,000 in Ohio Stadium. So the trend had been that Ohio State was exactly what you would expect them to be, taking on the verbiage of a football factory to say, 
Everything else be damned. We're playing football. We're Ohio State. And now when Gene Smith leaving that um, meeting um, from the Big Ten presidents and the athletic directors, um, the one that resulted in the announcement of the non-conference games being uh, canceled, he was sounding for an optimistic guy, typically pretty pessimistic about if we continue to hit these challenges and hurdles, you know, we're running out of time. And it may come to a point where we're going to pull the plug on this. So last thing on this before we let you go this week. This is where there's a culture difference between the two fan bases. And and I don't one's not better or worse. It's just different. That's just the reality. There is a segment of the Michigan fan base that that would be proud to shut the season down. That 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 would feel like this shows that we really are on a higher moral plane. That we we do put safety first, even though if you do the math on the odds from our CDC, there are 15 times better odds at the largest sports book in America that Kansas will win the Big 12 this fall than someone of college age will die of COVID-19. Okay, it's 3,000 to 1. 3,000 to 1 are the odds of someone of college age dying of COVID-19, 3,000 to one, okay? But, you know, there's a segment of our fan base that would would feel proud in a way, that would feel as if that they took a stand for purity, um, higher, you know, morality, and and realize that it, they were proud to sacrifice all those thousands of scholarships, million, hundreds of thousands of scholarships nationwide, millions of jobs, et cetera, because of, you know, uh, we, we put uh, health first, even though health really isn't that much at risk for kids this age. But, but that's, there is a portion of our fan base that would like be proud of this, right? That would rather that, that, you know, if we never, ever are ever have a negative headline are fine if we go six and six. Okay. What happens in the Ohio state fan base if they don't play? So in this day and age where every organization corporation makes decisions for the most part, based on not the sound logical business, even a higher ground where they state, okay, for moral or ethical reasons, we're going to do this. But for fear of public and social media criticism, that's where most of the decisions are made now. Uh, to try to get ahead of the curve, the response that we can't be the organization that, that looks like we're, we're on the wrong side of history or we're on the wrong side of public opinion. Um, I, I do share your thought about the perception of the two fan bases, and I think it's very real. And because of the SEC mentality, to a certain extent, of the Ohio State fan base, I would think that there would be uh, just an an embarrassment to a certain extent, that uh, a shame that would be cast upon Buckeye Nation as the SEC's playing football. There's the Big 12 playing foot. The, there's a number of even within our brethren of the Big Ten. We own the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to own this competitively and we're not playing. I think there would be 98 percent of the fan base would be shamed by that. Mark Rogers, thank you for joining us this week on the 10 minute and change war. We'll do it again next week, brother. Take care. Absolutely, Steve. Appreciate it. There it is. Wow. Pretty resounding results. We asked you, would you rather Michigan-Ohio State play the first two weeks of the season to make sure that it gets in, or 
Leave the game in its traditional final week slot, 71%. Said to leave the game where it's at, 29%. Said to play it early. Now, I've got to believe a lot of that 71% of Michigan fans would like to leave the game where it's at in the hopes that it doesn't get played. I'm I'm straight up. I, I I think that's why a lot of Michigan fans want to leave the game there. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll tell you it's because of the tradition and all, but, you know, there's the... There's the right reason people say and do things, and then there's the real reason. And in this case, I kind of think that the real reason a lot of us Michigan fans want to keep the game at the end of November is hoping that uh, we don't have to endure that again this year, that it just never arrives. And is is not losing to Ohio State because you didn't play them, does that feel like a win? Well, it's the closest thing we've had to a real win in this series in 15 years. So I'll take it. This week's question of the week comes from Michael McBee, who wants to know, why can't we see headlines like 100,000 tests were administered and 91,000 came back negative? I don't know, Michael. I mean, if you lived in any other free country on earth, you would see headlines like that. Like Michigan recently tested over 500 student athletes on campus, came back with four positives out of over 500 tests, and two of them were asymptomatic. That and that, that should be like one of the lead sports stories in the country because there's not any other sports stories going on. Instead, uh, the majority of sports writers on a national level, the majority of sports outlets on a national level seem to be lobbying hard for their own unemployment checks because that's where they're all going to end up if they're successful in pushing panic porn to the point of football getting canceled this fall. Mass layoffs, economic carnage. It's called King Football for a reason. It's the number one revenue driver and there's no close second. Take that away and there's no revenue there. And so it's been fascinating to watch a whole bunch of people thinking, you know, maybe we haven't had enough layoffs in the journalism industry here in the last few years. I'd like to count my name among them because if you're successful in getting football canceled, you will. You will. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Michigan Podcast. Also, give us a like and a subscribe and a five-star review, whether it's a podcast platform or right here on YouTube. Uh, You can also rate these videos, rate these podcasts, share them with everybody you know. We'll be back at it again next week. Until then, go Blue. Go Blue.